Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hello, folks. This is the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a social media examiner production. I'm Jeff C. I'm the host of this show and podcast and on the team at Social Media Examiner. And I'm Grace Duffy, the producer of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show and a contributor to Social Media Examiner. Today, we are excited to be joined by our guest, Rich Brooks. And if you don't know who Rich is, Rich runs Flight New Media, an award-winning digital agency in Portland, Maine, and the founder of Agents of Change, an annual conference and weekly podcast that focuses on search, social, and mobile marketing. He is also the author of The Lead Machine, The Small Business Guide to Digital Marketing. We're going to explore how to prepare for Google's plans to block third-party cookies and the expansion of Facebook's Clear History tool. We'll also uh, review the updates from Facebook's fourth quarter 2019 earnings and results. Rich, we're so excited to, today to have you with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great seeing you guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Jeff. Appreciate it, Grace. Appreciate it, everybody who is commenting on the right side of my screen right now. <laughs> That's awesome. We have a great group that always shows up every week. So thank you guys for doing that. Um, Grace, let's jump right in because this is some – I'm so excited because Rich is so knowledgeable about this and I'm excited to get his ideas. But kind of break us down this first segment that we're talking about, the uh, privacy controls and tracking. So in response to users demanding greater privacy and control over how their personal data is being accessed, about two weeks ago, Google Chrome announced plans to phase out support of third-party cookies, and they plan to do this within the next two years. So the fact that Google will be dropping support for these cookies doesn't necessarily come as a surprise, given Google's past announcements around uh, privacy in Chrome, things like the proposed uh, privacy sandbox. However, the aggressive timeline is new, and we've seen reports where marketers have expressed a mix of fear, disappointment, hope for this new change. It also puts the company on a track that might have repercussions in a lot of different industries. Rich, tell us what are some of these repercussions? What should marketers be aware of? So let me start by saying that I question the whole thing about the aggressive timeline. Like, I, I agree with you. I'm seeing that in all the news reports. It's like this aggressive timeline by Google. Well, first of all, Firefox and Safari have had basically something similar to this for a while now. Now, admittedly, Chrome is by far the most popular browser out there. So when Google moves, we all have to move with it. But the bottom line is it has been in existence. Um, so the and the other thing is I'm speaking from the position of an agency owner. So it's what I'm doing as well as what my clients are doing in, in those concerns. And honestly, I don't see as many repercussions as some other people do. Are there going to be changes? Sure. The bottom line is there are going to be some immediate changes to the way that we can target people and how narrowly we can target people. But I think the typical small to medium-sized business marketer, digital marketer, is not going to notice that much change. And I really, you know, if you're a big enterprise company, 
you and you're spending a lot of money on that sort of stuff and a lot of energy behind it, yeah, you'll probably see some changes there. Likewise, if you are running a media type website where you're relying on other people's advertising dollars to keep you in business, that also could be a problem that's definitely going to have a at least immediate impact on your business. So, you know, uh, CNN, for example, or some of these other places may be having some difficulty because of the ad revenue in the near future or when Google actually starts, you know, implementing this. But I think for for many of us digital marketers, I just don't know if the repercussions are going to be, you know, as world ending as some some of the headlines actually make them out to me. Right. And and I, sometimes I think um, the, the news cycle, they try to really like, you know, it's Google, it's a big, huge company, and they kind of try to like pile on a little bit when there's maybe not as much news there as, as we think. But what I want to know is, will this update as it rolls out hurt the granularity which marketers will be able to track web usage, uh, usage for targeting? Because I know that's a big question that a lot of marketers have. Yeah, and I think at first the answer is yes. I mean, the bottom line is this is going to be something that they're going to take away and some of this will be going away. Now, for some of us, we're not going to notice that because maybe we didn't use that level of granularity in the first place. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the bottom line is for people who uh, are advanced marketers, uh, and especially in big companies where they're dealing with a lot of big data on a regular basis, you are going to notice that. But there are going to be other ways. You know, there's going to be other ways to track people, and I'm sure we'll get into some of those. But cookies is just one method. It's an older method. It's an established method. Mm-hmm. People don't like change, right? And the bottom line is whenever change happens, uh, it's going to have a positive and a negative impact depending on who you are. The bottom line is every single time uh, because it, I always think of myself as a search engine optimization person first, social media second. So mm-hmm. whenever there's a change in Google going on, you immediately see people freaking out. It's like, I was on the first page of Google. Now I can't find myself. Well, it's not like those positions disappeared. It means somebody else moved up, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be good news for some people, some marketers, and bad news for others. Yeah, so tech TechCrunch, uh, which we pull a lot of information from, uh, they reports that Google is calling out third-party cookies and, quote, because it's the one that people are paying attention to. But cookies, like you mentioned, are actually only one tracking mechanism used on the web. So um, surely Google is going to be able to track us in other ways, like internally in the company. So is there any way for marketers to get access to this info? It's kind of vague in the articles that I've read. Yeah, it, it definitely I've seen multiple opinions on this. There doesn't seem to be one strong, like this is absolutely the way it's going to be. The one thing to keep in mind is there is a difference between first party cookies and third party cookies. So Mm. maybe we should just explain that. Uh, Apparently there's no second party cookies. So I don't know what happened to those cookies. Somebody ate them. They fall on the floor. Yeah. First, right. First party cookies are the websites uh, themselves are tracking information about you while you're on that website. That is still completely okay, according to Google. Uh, It's the third-party cookies, the ones that a lot of advertisers use to track you across different websites, uh, different platforms, different devices. Those are the ones that are ultimately going to be phased out. So that's really what we're talking about here. So Google, in some ways, this is really self-serving because Google tracks first-party cookies almost everywhere. Like, who on this call doesn't have a Gmail account, doesn't have Google Analytics, doesn't have a YouTube channel? Like, all of those things are ways that Google tracks us using first-party cookies, from my understanding. So the bottom line is Google is still going to come out ahead on all this, 
really what it's doing is it's killing off its competition. So mm. we're probably going to be more reliant on Google and we'll probably be able to use a lot of Google's tools in the future to continue to advertise to our ideal customers. Absolutely. So the Google team in the same TechCrunch article mentioned that they are uh, working to prevent fingerprinting and cross-site yeah. tracking. So what are these terms? What do they mean exactly? All right. So fingerprinting is just another way of tracking people over the web. And I'm sure you think when you go on a website, if you've got your cookies turned off, then you're basically invisible. But that is just not the case. And uh, fingerprinting is basically about collecting information about your configuration of your browser, the size of your resolution, which browser you're on, what type of device you're on, to come up with a very unique way of knowing who you are, even though they don't have your name or email or anything like that. Um, and it's really interesting. So there's a website that I became aware of called amiunique.org. And you can basically go there and it will tell you, are you like going to be disappear into the crowd or are you really unique and you can be identified? And when I went there, uh, it immediately said, that Rich Brooks, you are one, you know, it was like, you are less than like one out of one hundredth of one percent. In other words, basically, we can track you wherever you go. <laughs> so, of course, there's going to be other ways to deal with all this information and other ways to track people. So that's fingerprinting. But again, Google's looking for ways to maybe minimize this. And if people are concerned, I know we're talking about it from a marketing standpoint, but if people are concerned about this because their own movements are being tracked, which they are, then there are tools to kind of protect yourselves, VPNs, and a bunch of other things that probably is not the point of this show, but mm -hmm. you can definitely go online and find out more about. Uh, and then the cross, what was it, the cross? Cross-site tracking. Yeah. Cross-site tracking. And that's just, again, a, a lot of ways of tracking people, uh, specific things that they're doing across multiple websites to get a better picture of them. And uh, that's something that you know they're cracking down on as well. And I know that there are a lot of marketers who are really concerned about this, but remember that when you're not wearing your marketing hat, and even when you are, you're a human being on this planet. And the bottom line is, I think some of the reasons why there is such a backlash and such a move towards owning your own data and controlling your own data is because not the people who are on this call or listening to this podcast, but a lot of these big companies have abused what we thought was kind of okay and maybe a little creepy. So the bottom line is because it's been abused, then they're going to remove some of these tools. But, you know, marketing and advertising are always going to be there and they're just going to find other tools like fingerprinting, like contextual uh, advertising, other ways to deliver relevant ads to people. See, and that's a great tweetable moment that Mark Rich said that, uh, you know, marketers need to remember they're human too. So I think that's important. If you get one thing out of the call, out of the show today, it's that, you know, you need to be human. So uh, Grace and I, we were, when Grace was putting the show together, we had remembered that uh, Firefox and Safari had made similar kind of moves in the past. You know, they, they turned off cookies and you're, they're really promoting how private they are. So has this impacted tracking? Has having less precise audience tar uh, targeting lower ad revenues for these companies? I haven't seen any reports. I, I just want to know, has it made ads less, less effective on those platforms? I think the question you have to ask yourself is, if it's been going on with Safari and Firefox for at least a year, mm -hmm. have you out in the audience noticed any difference? I have not. Um, you know, we noticed when after the Cambridge Analytica scare or scandal, I should say, that some of the tools that we use to target audiences for ourselves and for our clients went away. 
But you know what? We managed. You know, we found other ways to target them. Sometimes it's a little bit broader, so we have to get a little bit more clever with our advertising. Uh, you know, that's just something it's like you've probably already started to see some impact. Now, admittedly, I think last I saw Chrome was like 65% of browser and the nearest competitor was Safari because anybody using the Mac is probably going to default to Safari. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was like at 18% or something like that. So when Chrome moves, when Google moves, we notice that. We will definitely notice some of these tools changing over time, but um, I don't think it's going to be as dramatic as people are making it out to be. And we have two years right. to prepare for this. Right. So. so how should marketers be preparing for this shift? Because you do mention it is a two-year timeline, and maybe less as Google is starting to test things starting next month or tomorrow. Actually, it's February, right? So yeah. how can marketers and publishers, um, because I see both advertising, prepare for the shift? Well, this is something that I've been talking about for a couple of years because privacy is not new. And this idea of, you know, like owning your own data is not new and there will continue to be a push for this. So what I've been saying for a while is, if, you know, leverage these platforms as long as you can. But the bottom line is you've got to bring people into a platform that you control. And that's something like email marketing is the number one thing. And then um, also the uh, Facebook chat or other chatbots are another one if you can get subscribers and SMS. And it depends on your business. Like we at Flight, we would never use SMS. Well, I shouldn't say never, but mm -hmm. it's not in our plans to use SMS. So that's not going to be something we're after. But the email marketing component is definitely going to be part of it. And if you're a small marketer, which, you know, a lot of people are working for small businesses or working with small businesses, you know, I can't stress enough the importance of doing things that necessarily don't scale but give a small business an, an advantage. So really those personal connections all of a sudden become a lot more valuable in an age where we might not have as much detailed information uh, about our broader audience that we can reach. So again, you know, a lot of it may just be about those personal touches and, and really being respectful of your audience so that they're more likely to subscribe to what you have to say and they're more tuned into it and they're less likely to unsubscribe over time. So Marketing Land in their report about this coverage suggested that uh, for this approach to work, Google will have to build consensus among a broader community of publishers. I mean, I know we talked about Apple, Safari and Mozilla, but I mean, there's a lot of publishers, advertisers, tech companies and maybe some of their even some of their other competitors who have to get on board. And what is the likelihood that some standard will eventually be agreed upon? And it's not just individual and I mean, Chrome is a big player, right? So mm -hmm. it's 60, 65% of all Google. I mean, that's what we use. That's what we use in our company. And that's what I use personally. So what's the likelihood that some standard will be uh, agreed upon? I think it's very likely. And, and first of all, Google does not need those other companies to join on because they have the majority, right? So they can just right. bully people around um, for better <laughs> or worse, right? So they can make these things happen. Um I do think it's likely that, that there will be some sort of standards in the next few years, only because governments are going to get more involved. As people get more outraged, governments, politicians are going to look to be like, I'm the advocacy for privacy and owning your own data. And so there's going to be, I would assume, some sort of uh, national law in the U.S. that will take effect in the next few years. Uh, it might take a little while to get to it. Um, and obviously, you know, you get the GDPR out, uh, in Europe that affects a lot of countries outside of the European Union. Um, and so I think there will probably be some, these come, everybody wants to know what the rules are and everybody wants to have an even playing field, you know, so that they don't have to make some rules for Europe, some rules for Asia, some rules for the U.S. So I do think there, there will be a movement towards at least a minimum amount 
of privacy and uh, control over one's data globally in the next three to five years would be my guess. Do you think they're going to do something kind of almost like, you know, the, do- the domain name registry and some of the HTML stuff where they have like a consortium where they come together and they kind of have like a kind of almost semi-governing body? But it sounds like Google doesn't really need that. If anything, they're just going to probably do a, a press release and say, this is what we're doing. I mean, yeah. is it going to be kind of be- between those two things or what do you see it kind of boiling down to? I think it's probably, you know, keep in mind that uh, even the biggest companies can can lose market share, be overthrown. So that's probably the biggest incentive for Google to actually play nice. That and the fact that, you know, the European Union could crack down. I mean, they have uh, on some of these things. And if they want to be able to have access to that marketplace, they may have to play nice with others. And I do think that something like a consortium is probably the way it'll go, if only to keep governments from forcing laws upon them. That's usually what happens in the marketplace is uh, a group of people will come together and say, let's figure out some laws that we can implement ourselves before they're forced on us. So I I think your your idea of a consortium is probably going to be the direction it'll go. Gotcha. Well, moving on to the next, there's, this is a huge piece of news right now. And, and I know Grace is going to break it down, but uh, we've been talking about privacy and, you know, making sure we're doing things so the government doesn't take over. But uh, Facebook has this new clear history tool that is now available for everyone. So Grace, uh, break that down for us because this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it rolled out on Tuesday, which was, I think, Privacy Day or Online Privacy Day. I don't know. Obviously, I did not celebrate, so yeah, I do not observe. I did not get a card. Yeah, didn't I make didn't a get cake. a card. I didn't observe. You know, mm-hmm. Starbucks didn't issue a new cup. I don't know. <laughs> so, I, so I wasn't aware, right? So Tuesday, Facebook rolled out what it's calling its off Facebook activity tool, which allows users around the globe to control how third-party apps and websites uh, transmit their data to the platform. So what this means is that when you visit a retailer site, when you visit a payment app, when you visit a news site, when you visit our own site, right, um, other online services, uh, they share info about you to Facebook for ad targeting purposes and for retargeting purposes. And so with these tools, you have the ability to erase your user data from the platform that it's, it's accumulated through these third party sites. So, for example, I had over a thousand apps and websites when I tried out this tool uh, that have shared my activity with Facebook. So one of them is like Condé Nast, it's Hulu and then even my kids school. So companies that I really, really want to hear from, that I care about, that I want to stay involved. So this new version of this tool um, is actually called Off Facebook. But the part of it that we've been hearing a lot about over the last few months was the Clear History tool, which has the option to view your information by category. Uh, Oh, sorry. So in addition to Clear History, um, it's one of the many tools. There's also the option to view your information by category, download the information, and then select how off Facebook activity can be managed in the future. And so one of these things, and I'm sure people have used this, is when you connect your Facebook account to a website to log in, Facebook will pop up an alert that says, did you really want to do this? Is this okay? Do you want to disconnect it? So anyway, so this is a big concern for us because... The idea is that it's going to choke, yes, for marketers, it's going to choke our ability to retarget yeah, and, and advertise. And so, Rich, I'm interested. So now users have the option to, to have this, like, quote, turn off future activity from, you know, whatever site you want to block, like Condé Nast. And are they af- saying that this effectively blocks all future tracking of activity from an advertiser forever and permanently with just one click? I mean, is that what yeah, it's saying? Right now, it does look like it's going to clear everything in the past and protect you from it collecting any data in the future, which is obviously concerning to marketers because, 
retargeting is, you know, I, I often talk about, you know, how do you stay in touch with people after they've left your website? The number one thing is get them to opt into an email newsletter. But when you don't get that, at least you can retarget on different platforms. Facebook being the number one platform for most marketers out there. And now suddenly that's not going to be an option um, if people decide to opt out. I will say I played around with this tool myself and I like to think of myself as a fairly savvy user, but it took me like three tries to even find out where that particular button was. And then the amount of data on the phone, it was almost difficult for me to find what I was looking for. When I finally downloaded the 1.5 gig file from Facebook on everything that they had on me, you know, part of me is just like feeling overwhelmed. And I'm like, well, you know, forget it. I just, I'm going to, and I think that's what a lot of people are going to end up doing. So I'm not super concerned about people opting out of the retargeting on any of my or my clients' Facebooks today based on the fact it was it's not currently all that user-friendly. Even though Facebook says it's super easy, that was not my experience. And I think for a lot of people who use the browser that their computer came with because they don't really think that there's even a choice there, it's not really going to be that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But you know, if they make it easier, if they really push it, it, it could be a situation. But, you know, Facebook is, in my opinion, pretending to care about protecting our data. Right. I don't really feel that they do. I think that they're trying to, again, protect themselves from being sued for another $5 billion from, you know, governments around the world. So I think one of the things that would cause people, so like, for example, when I went and bought a new Jeep, you know, I had done search and research and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, Everywhere I turned, every website had big Jeep ads trying to sell me Jeeps all over and over. I can see people going in like, I am so frustrated. I bought my Jeep. I'm done with it. I want a clear history of this and get it off. That's the only, I think, non the, the way that with somebody would they would get so frustrated they want to clear off that specific company. And then they may hit that clear history and wipe out everything, you know, if they just want to yeah. you know, blankly do it. Certainly a possibility. And then I would say, you know, that's really too bad if you want to keep on buying Jeeps. Not that you, I mean, I don't know that the Jeep ads, if you're a Jeep lover, are really right. going to make that much of a difference right. for you. But, you know, the other option would be is that you continually create new domains for different campaigns because the bottom line is just, it seems to be a, a domain by domain sort of sort of thing. So, I mean, that could be one option, too. Again, there's going to be other ways for us to market to our audience and contextual advertising where you basically, you know, if, if you uh, are selling a climbing product that, you know, you go and you're basically, you know, going to articles and blog posts that talk about climbing. And so, you know, that's contextual advertising and that might be very appropriate and cost, you know, cost effective mm-hmm. for a lot of businesses out there. Gotcha. And then there's always the idea of create your own content, bring people to you. And then, you know, first of all, now you get your first party cookies. And secondly, you know, there's a lot of benefits to being the place where people want to go to rather than just trying to track them around the web when they really don't want to hear from you. Gotcha. Right. So the general consensus when we posted about this in our social media marketing society group and our society is social media examiners, a membership organization for marketers. So it's a place where we talk about um, new tools, new techniques. I mean, it's it's a great support. So the general consensus among at least when I last checked, I haven't l- looked at the post today, but um, was it just not just forget about it? Don't worry about it. Um, you know, people aren't even going to use this. Like, are we? being arrogant here, do you think people are really will use and understand this tool or even just understand like what they're signing up for or not signing up for? I mean, 
Or do you think it's still just pretending to care? <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are going to go through the hassle of doing this. I mean, there's always going to be a percentage. There's always a percentage of people who do it. I mean, there's people who, who do privacy things in VPN and they only go onto browsers that completely, you know, anonymize their right. stuff. But that is definitely the outliers. I think for most people, they're just going to feel like this is the price of having access to 2.5 billion other people on the planet, access to all this information, the videos, everything like that. And to a certain degree, this is a trade-off. You know, we give up a certain amount of privacy. Other than that, the other option is every single website is going to go to some sort of paywall. Um, and certainly we see that in journalism already, you know, so that that could be the other direction. But do I think it's arrogant to think that people won't change it? No, I, I think that most people are not going to go through the steps to protect themselves because it's just not worth it. They don't understand it. There's a million things going on in people's lives, and this is really not the only thing going on in the news right now. So right. Uh, it could be for the average user something that they don't even notice. So I, I have a client who is actually still uses his AOL address that I have to email him to. So he's <laughs> yes. not going to use this tool, pretty sure. No. But one person in the group also brought up this question that uh, he's not really concerned about, kind of like you, but he's more concerned about ad blo- ad blockers. So is that something like from your SO, uh, SEO experience that you've had to deal with and you think may you know be even more of an issue in the future? I don't think SEO and ad blocking have anything to do directly together. Sometimes okay. there might be an indirect connection. I've never worried and none of my clients have ever worried about ad blockers because we're not doing a lot of that kind of visual ads, which I think is really the the bane of most people's online existence and really the target of those ads. Now, if you're, if this person was talking about the fact that they run a uh, ad-driven uh, media site, then yeah, that could be a real problem for them. And there are options out there such as, you know, the paywalls and also blanking on the name of it. But basically when you're, when you're taking donations for the kind of content yeah. you're creating, those are some not great options, but there are options out there like that. Uh, you know, the bottom line is things will continue to change. You know, it, this is true yeah. in all of life. And the best of us love change because it makes it more difficult for the people who can't deal with change. So am I worried about any of this stuff? No, I'm actually excited about this stuff because really most of these giant companies do know too much about us. And it is kind of creepy sometimes. And I, and I had read an article recently in the Washington Post in their technology section. People can look it up, talking about when somebody, when one of the reporters downloaded some of their Facebook stuff, they were just stunned to know all the stuff Facebook knew about them offline and not the reporter himself, but saying that somebody else in the office discovered that Facebook known that they had gone to some sperm donation center. Right. Like, who, why does Facebook need to know that about any of us, right? Or why do advertisers need to know that about mm-hmm. any of us? There's a certain desire for privacy that people have. And even though privacy has changed so much over it, I think as marketers, we need to respect that. And that probably means there's a way to reach people who are tired of feeling like their privacy has been invaded. And to be honest, this whole Google thing is probably just a way of them, again, just marketing and advertising to us in a new way. So we need to do the same. We just need to be flexible, look at where we have opportunities and go after those opportunities. 
That's great advice. So before we wrap up, I do want to talk about how to access the off Facebook tool for those of us that um, now want to go check our uh, apps and websites and see where we might have gone. Go to settings and privacy. So you will go to facebook.com slash settings. And then on mobile, you'll have to scroll down to your information on desktop. It'll be on the left hand menu and it'll just say your Facebook information. From there, you can click uh, off Facebook activity and manage your off Facebook activity. You'll have to enter your password, check out all the sites. And you can see all the sites that are tracking you. I was I was surprised at some of the ones that um, were tracking me. It was just like a lot of them were like meme sites with um, like clickbaity or whatever. And I was just like done, done, done. But a lot of them like I actually wanted to hear from. So you might be pleasantly surprised who is talking to you or talking about you. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, Rich, you mentioned, you know, that we should be embracing change and you are the original ancient of change. So I want to I want to ask where if people are interested in what you do, where they can find out more about you. Sure. Uh, well, right now, I'd say if you are interested, if you need help working with uh, figuring out your digital marketing plan or need a new website, there's my company, Flight New Media, F-L-Y-T-E New Media. We're at takeflight.com. I also do a weekly podcast myself called The Agents of Change at theagentsofchange.com. And that's where I interview digital marketing experts. And I really enjoy talking to them. And if you love digital marketing and you love audio content, please check that out. Uh, and if you're local to Maine, I have a new brand out there and another podcast called fastforwardmaine.com, which is for business owners and entrepreneurs. And yes, you can listen even if you're outside the state. But we do talk a lot about the issues that are going on in the state. So I don't know if it's perfect for everyone. But gotcha. and of course, I am the Rich Brooks on every social media platform out there. So I'm easy to find. Awesome. And can you, sh I know you're going to be at Social Media Marketing World 2020. Can you share what you'll be speaking about at Social Media Marketing World? No. Okay. No, well, just kidding. All right. So uh, I am going to be, this is my third or fourth year doing a presentation called how did, I think it's called how to build a digital marketing plan. And, uh, you know, it's evolving over time. And this year, actually, privacy and personalization is going to be a bigger part of this presentation. But it's really for those small to medium-sized uh, marketers, um, or if you're in a big enterprise, if you happen to have like a small department in it. And it's about how do you develop a digital marketing plan? And it is, I will be honest, light on the social media. Like I talk about it, how to use it, but I spend more time on developing websites that convert about how to work in local and organic SEO, where paid search and paid social make an impact, email marketing and measurement. But if you're like, hey, you know, this is a I would say this is a great way to start off your social media marketing world because I'm on day one. So you come and you learn the framework and then you go and you learn from all these experts. Because So you're like, OK, now I know how I need to use Instagram stories. So let me go find out somebody who knows Instagram stories and fit that into that digital marketing plan. That's awesome. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you and hearing from you. And I'm looking forward to your session. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited. Awesome. Thanks. So uh, thanks so much, Rich, for coming. If you'd like to find out more and go and sign up so you can actually see and hear Rich, you can go to socialmediamarketing.world. And we'd love to see you there. Rich, thanks so much for stopping by. We'll see you next time. Bye, Bye. Rich. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. So yeah, socialmediamarketing.world if you're interested. Um, Rich is, always has a good session and I'm excited about going and, and seeing him one more time. So we have a couple more pieces of news. So we've got this new Facebook reports, their uh, fourth quarter earnings and results. So there's a lot of meat. We always like to dive in uh, to see what uh, is kind of reading the tea leaves, as Mari Smith always says, to <laughs> figure out what's going on with Facebook. So uh, Grace, break that down for us because there's some little tidbits in there. 
Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time when uh, a bunch of numbers are being shouted at me at Succession and I just I can't retain them. So if you are like me, dear listener or dear viewer, and and these are just a lot of numbers, we we won't try to flood you with a bunch of numbers. You can go to uh, Facebook's um, investor site. And I believe the link to that is investor.fb.com. And you will be able to find Facebook's Q4 2019 earnings. And it's all there, the presentation, the talking points, the recordings. So, but I do want to talk about what are the big takeaways. So it does show increase in both users and in revenue. Uh, costs associated with some of newer initiatives are, uh, according to them, in, impeding uh, overall growth. So they did record a um, a record uh, $21.8 billion in revenue. Their core app, which is facebook.com reaches uh, 2.5 billion users each month, which is an 8% increase year over year, a big milestone, which is a big milestone for the company. Uh, Facebook also added uh, 35 million daily active users, taking it to 1.66 billion uh, daily active users for the period. The big takeaway from this is that they actually added a million more users from the North American market, which was thought to be pretty Saturated. Standard, yeah, you know, saturated, right? Yeah. They felt that, and it is the major where it uh, Facebook gets the majority of its revenue, and it also, but it did see the most significant amount of growth in the Asia Pacific market, adding fourteen million daily active users. So, another big interesting thing from this was that um, they announced that they're going to start reporting usage uh, across its family of apps. Of course, as we all know, Facebook owns Instagram is behind Messenger and is behind WhatsApp. So they have this new stat called Family Average Revenue Per Person. So Jeff, what do you make of this? So this is what it is explained by Facebook. Yeah, This is, quote, our family metrics represent our estimates of the underlying number of unique people using one or more of Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, and or WhatsApp, collectively our family of products. So to me, this is really interesting because clearly the company is trying to use Instagram's growing ad revenue to make the rest of the company look bigger. I think other companies have done this and, you know, it's kind of starting to slow and stagnate. They kind of lump things in together to make it sound better. And remember, this is for investors. This is an investor call where they're making it really, you know, like, hey, we're doing good. Your money is safe with us. And so they're going to make it sound the best they can. Now, I don't think that's it's collapsing or anything like that. It's coming to be more of a flat line and they want to make it look good. And so I think this is their first step, but they're going to lump everything in together. So they'll have kind of bigger numbers to report in the future. Right. And let's talk about some of those takeaways from the call. Of course, there's a and a portion. And mm-hmm. I mean, like you, Jeff, I find that these are, again, this is, this is for the investor. This is right. for the people that are, have spent their money on Facebook and want to see it grow. And so of course they're going to put a, <laughs> I don't really picture there being many gaffes or things. Right. It's scripted. It's pretty scripted. It's all very scripted. Mark Zuckerberg, CEO and founder of Facebook, did stress that Facebook needs to stay focused on addressing social issues and the consequence of the company's growth during this earnings call. I think he said before that when he started the site or when we all got on the site, we didn't anticipate that it would grow or get its little fingers into every part of our lives as it has. So he did make people aware that um, they are going to continue to make the apps more private and more secure. And we've heard that reiterated probably every time Facebook has said anything since 
20. Whenever there's a PR thing, they bring that up. <laughs> and as for product updates, uh, Zuckerberg seized on opportunities in commerce. Uh, Facebook is building out WhatsApp Pay, and he says, I expect this to start rolling out in a number of countries and for us to make a lot of new progress here in the next six months. 140 million small businesses now use its tools. Another really, and this is me because I'm a nerd and I have one, uh, people buy almost 5 million in content on the Oculus Store on Christmas Day, which uh, that was what he said was a milestone. And it was also interesting that this year, this past year, they purchased the video game company that made Beat Saber. So they're starting to really, they've always been bullish on, you know, trying to, you know, really push Oculus. And it seems some of the stuff is working. I mean, 5 million in the big scheme of things isn't a big deal but that all these people are going to it on Christmas is kind of telling a little bit for that. So he also says Facebook's Spark AR platform is the most used of its kind by developers with hundreds of millions of people experience face filters built with it. So it's interesting uh, that, you know, I'm wondering, I'm kind of interested when they're going to start calling it Instagram Spark AR because, you know, they're, (laughs) they're a little more popular for those face filters. I don't know how many people use them on Facebook, but uh, anyway, really interesting stuff with products. I don't know, Jeff. I've never made five million dollars in one day. So no, I'm well, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> impressive for them. Yeah, I guess it is very impressive for them. Um, regarding plans to integrate their uh, family of chat interfaces, so Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp will retain. They did assure us that they will retain their individual brands and probably their singularity. But they did note that it is already quite integrated in the background, which some reports have said that this was kind of a call to regulators say it might be difficult to break us up. So maybe don't try. (laughs) You know, I use Messenger. I use Instagram. I'm not on WhatsApp very often, but I still very much see them as very separate uh, brands, separate places, separate audiences. So I think that that's just a reminder that, hey, we're we're all together. (laughs) Yeah. So I think you're spot on about uh, persuading regulators. The other thing is, is for guidance, Facebook CFO David Weher said that we expect our year-over-year total reported revenue growth rate in the first quarter to de- de- decelerate by low to mid single-digit percentage points as compared to our uh, quarter four growth rate. Uh, factors driving this deceleration include the maturity of our business, as well as the increasing impact from global privacy regulation and other ad targeting-related headwinds, which is pretty much what our show was about today. Um, he's kind of warning people, hey – just kind of, you know, we're going to probably have the growth we had before. So it's, it's okay. A little bit of reassurance there. Right. Um, and then last but not least, they did focus on their perception issue. Mark Zuckerberg did say that it's focusing on communicating more clearly what it stands for. Uh, one of the critiques in their approach in the past has been in the last decade actually has been that they um, have very much wanted to be liked. And so they may not have communicated as clearly as they should have. Um, they're worried about offending people. They're worried about losing advertisers. They're worried about losing you know, that land share. I don't think they're really in danger of that because we are so, I mean, everything is so integrated. Um, But this led to some positive sentiments towards the company. Um, You know, they are, we just talked about the clear history tool, the off Facebook tool. So they are doing things to address people's concerns head on. Uh, The other interesting thing is he said that his goal for the next decade isn't to be liked, but to be understood. And don't we all, Jeff, want want to be be understood. So, Especially me. You, you, everybody knows what you're doing, but they're, they're wondering yeah. what I'm doing here. But Congrats. one of the things I do want to go back to, to say about when uh, the CFO, David Weher said that was that, you know, you mentioned that they aren't just wanting to be liked and, and they're kind of, when they're saying they're 
really going to have to do regulatory incentives like GDPR and CCPA that's going to affect kind of how they do business. They're, you know, Apple and Google limiting, like we talked about with Rich, Apple and Google limiting ad uh, targeting signals and Facebook even changing their own products. They're kind of, you know, they want to get this out in front of people so it's not a big surprise. And kind of, I think some, they will kind of warn people it's not going to be all, you know, rosy in some of these upcoming quarters that they're going to have to report. Right. Well, and I mean, I think some of it, it chokes off their own ad revenue, which is their mm-hmm. meat and potatoes. Yeah. And, and, and like you were saying before is that, uh, we don't want to be liked anymore. We just want to be understood. So they want to make sure everything's <laughs> out there so people will understand them. Uh, overall, I really thought that, um, I think Mark Zuckerberg is doing what he needs to do. He is shepherding a company. Yeah. He's a CEO. He owes his shareholders. He has responsibility to his shareholders. And I think that's who he's responsible to. He has a responsibility for people. And I think Mm -hmm. um, government agencies are going to be holding him to that. So we'll see. I mean, everything was pretty optimistic for 2020. And I'm looking forward to F8. I think it's sometime in, it's usually the beginning of May, end of April. So that's when we're going to be getting a lot of um, updates. And as always, we will report to the anything we find out right here on the Friday when it breaks. So we Grace does an awesome job putting this all together. But now would be a good time to mention that support for our live show and podcast comes from Social Media Marketing World 2020. Rich talked about it earlier, but all of the 100 plus sessions at this year's Social Media Marketing World, it's the most important can't miss presentations. And those are the four keynotes. And we have some amazing people who are headlining those keynotes. Absolutely. Our very own Michael Stelzner, who is the founder and CEO of Social Media Examiner, will present the results of our annual social media marketing industry report. So each year, if you don't know, uh, we survey thousands of marketers. Last year, there were about 4,800 marketers. Uh, This year, well, I guess we'll just have to wait for (laughs) Social Media Marketing World. He doesn't tease uh, it. We don't know either. Well, I, I don't even know. So, yeah. I'm, I mean, own, but only attendees will get the first exclusive look at our findings during Mike's keynote. So that's always a good time to um, find out what other marketers are doing and helps us set the pace and the tone for the show and set the content. So I can't wait to find out what the research reveals and uh, at least give us a critical edge on the show. Right. <laughs> right. That helps us a lot. Uh, the, yeah. uh, the second one, Ann Hanley from Marketing Profs will teach us an unconventional path to sustainable social media success in 2020 in her keynote. Uh, If if you've never heard Anne speak, she is amazing. She's been there as long as I've been going and her her session is always packed. Uh, You'll learn a better approach to your marketing that leads to more measurable success. She is always awesome. I'm looking forward to her as well. Absolutely. Oh, and here's one I'm excited about. Um, Instagram expert, Jasmine Starr. She's going to talk about how to build a brand on Instagram that stands out and thrives. And if anyone stands out and thrives on Instagram, it is Jasmine Starr. So if you are not currently following her, do so immediately and start watching her stories. Uh, Do it now. She is dynamic, fun, creative. um, And she's also very generous with giving ideas of how Different ways that you create, you can create uh, your own Facebook or I'm sorry, Instagram stories. They own it, and so uh, it's, okay. it's the same family of app. So right. I guess it's the same thing, right? That's right? She will be on stage at Social Media Marketing World 2020. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing her in person. Yeah. And finally, you don't want to miss the always dynamic Marcus Sheridan with timeless storytelling, how to tell it and show it better than ever. He is incredible. If you want to learn how to be a better speaker, just watch his presentations. Because if you ever wondered why some stories stick with you and some just float on by, well, yeah, 
all the time. Yeah. All well, the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marcus will go and tell you uh, how from simply telling a story, developing stories that build your business, your brand and your bottom line, which today we've talked a lot about this. Some of the old stuff isn't going to be working anymore. Uh, storytelling is always something that works in marketing. Marcus is one of the kings of great storytelling in, and helping businesses in that way. So you want to make sure to check him out. To find out more and to register for Social Media Marketing World 2020 and get your all-access ticket, at, you can go there at socialmediamarketing.world. That's socialmediamarketing.world. And for more links, details, notes on everything discussed in today's episode, you can find that in Social Media Marketing Talk Show Recap. Grace does an incredible job of pulling everything on today that we talked about. It publishes on Saturdays at Social Media Examiner. You can find that at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash news. And also, we would love for you guys to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, and new episodes publish every Saturday. We would love for you guys. It would help us out a lot if you would go there, subscribe and leave a review because that lets more people see our podcast and sign up for it. So we'd love for you guys to do that for us. And uh, our next show is Friday, February 7th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can get our weekly show calendar at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. Grace, thanks so much. Always an awesome job. Always fun to be with you. I love doing the show with you, Jeff. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, audience, for listening and for watching us. And thank you, Rich, for being here with us. Thank you for breaking down the news. I started off the week with like, I don't get it. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Yeah. I'm like, I wish I could help you, but I can't. You know, like, and so having Rich here has really helped set the, has set the pace for everything, right? Yeah, it's awesome. He always does a great job. Love having him here. And with that, that's our show. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye now. Bye, everyone. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.